thought, excuse me, I, my voice was finally back to where I could sing this morning, and I almost blew it out, it seemed like, you know, because, you know, being able to do more than just croak, now I'm back to croaking somewhat, so. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you'd speak to us this morning, speak to us about your, about your cross, about your death, and what life it brings, Lord. Help us to be able to see that the cross is the center of what we have and what has been given to us, Lord, but actually not to just stay on it, but to be able to have your life imparted to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I don't know if I'm going to have anything new to say this morning. Starting with verse 23. Or Paul's writing here, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And the thing that he repeats there is, do this in remembrance of me. You know, and it's to, re- we're to remind you and me of what he has done. What he has done. You know, we need to meditate upon that cross and upon the work that Jesus accomplished there much more than we do. A lot of times we look at that as just an entrance into life. That it is. But it's not just an entrance of life. That's why he keeps bringing us back to it a lot of times when we have been walking in our own ways for so long. We need to realize that those things need to be put back upon the cross. Everything needed to have him become sin and pronounce us righteous was finished there. Everything that was necessary. Nothing can ever make us any more righteous than what the cross has already done. No longer is righteous based upon our obedience. No longer do we have to stand on our tiptoes just to be feeling like we're accepted by Him. There is a, the, the righteousness that's based on our obedience can be wiped away with our first stumble, our first impure thought, our first wrongly motivated emotion that we give place to. That kind of, obedient, that kind of righteousness can be wiped away, but the righteousness that He gives to us can never be wiped away. It's an eternal fact. It's an eternal thing that has been given to us. We have been pronounced righteous based upon what He did, not on what we did. And, you know, such a, such, you know, what Jesus did is on a solid, eternal foundation. It's unable to be shaken. Our obedience isn't to become better before Him. Our obedience is our thank you. Our obedience is our way of showing that I indeed have received the revelation that Jesus did it all upon the cross. You know, it's not that there's no place for obedience, but obedience doesn't make us more righteous or less righteous. It doesn't make us more accepted by Him or less accepted by Him, whether or not we do that or not. It shows that we've not forgotten what He's done when I'm willing to obey when I turn from my ways and say, no, that's not the path that He has called me to walk in. That I am willing to take and take up the cross that He's given me and walk out as He would have me walk it out this life instead of choosing my own way. 
That's the way where we're indeed remembering Him, doing it in remembrance of Him. That's what this is about this morning. Let the servers come forward. We thank you, Lord, that indeed your body and your blood did it all. That your blood has washed away every sin and made us able to come boldly before your throne, Lord. And that your body has taken upon it every sickness and infirmity that we could possibly have, Lord. We thank you that we get to partake of that this morning and to come in communion and fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. As he said on that night, said, Take eat, this is my body broken for you. With joy and thanksgiving we partake. And he took the cup and said, Take and drink, this is the new covenant in my blood.
see Jesus. Got a new water fountain downstairs, too. Thank you for putting that on, Pat and Don. That's a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hey, praise the Lord. Welcome back. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Okay, let's open our Bibles. Someplace. Um, 1 Corinthians 6. We'll start there. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's good to not just remember, but to live in, bring back to remembrance, bring our minds back to obedience, that it's all about Jesus. It's easy to forget that, you know, as the words came this morning. You know, it's easy just to get caught up with ourselves, to think life is all about me and Thank you, Lord, for what you did, but, you know, I've got things to do, and I don't really remember the cross. I don't really remember the salvation, in, in the sense that it's all about God being glorified. It's all about God being all in all. It's all about God's purpose in our lives. And so it's easy to walk away from, from the Lord, constantly, continually. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's been given to us and the Word's been given to us and the church has been given to us. All these things because we need a lot of help to bring us back to remembrance to things we naturally don't want to remember. And so as, as we're opened our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6, I'll read out of Romans because I think it's you know relevant to what we're talking about right at this moment. It's easy just to forget the Lord. You know, we think, well, no, I, I couldn't forget the Lord. But, you know, all through the day is, you know, the, like a lot of good words this morning. I want to encourage people to continue to do that. You know, you'll probably get some that aren't right on and some that are kind of wishy-washy. But, you know, we'll just judge it, condemn you. But, you know, keep, keep sharing. I was thinking about that today. You know, we all talk about gifts, you know. I don't know how many of us talk about it anymore. But it would be a good thing to meditate on. But, you know, a lot of the gifts that, most of the gifts that God puts in our life are, are kind of things that we, we might consider cursings. You know, we might think someone who's, you know, really gifted in administration, if you're kind of like a fly-by-the-seat-of-the-pants per, person, that, that's going to that's be an annoying thing. But God puts the body together as He sees fit. And we need to start seeing all things that we do, all things that are in our life, for the glory of God. Because if it's all about me, I really don't want any other gifts. Gifts annoy me. You know, if I'm sufficient in myself, then I'm really not serving God. Because I don't need any help. We don't need any help to serve the devil. Don't need any help to do my own thing. And so when God shows up in our lives, He upsets the whole, the whole deal. As He says to Saul, you know, it's hard to kick against the thorns. And so daily, continually through the day, the Holy Spirit is bringing back to remembrance the Lord. He's bringing back to remembrance the Word of God that might provoke us to realize, whoa, we're off doing our own thing again. So, in Romans chapter 1, it says in, in verse 21, I'm going to start in verse 19, because 
that which may be known of God is made manifest to them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead. So we're without excuse. And a lot of times God is just, even in, his, even in the quote-unquote natural realm, God is continually revealing Himself. And again, He wants to bring us back to the Word of God and to Himself. And many times, because our natural man, the carnal man, doesn't understand the things of God. Because remember, when we knew not God, what did we do? When we knew not God, what did we do? Remember we read that? Galatians? We served other gods. So we think, oh, well, I'm serving God. No, you're serving another God. See, the Bible says there's, there's God's many and Lord's many, but the Bible reveals to us the only true God, the God of Israel, the Creator, the, the only one and living God. So there's many gods we could be serving and actually putting names on it that we might even get from the Bible, but it's the Word of God that defines who the living God is. The Word of God defines who our Savior is. The Word of God defines what faith is in my life. And so many times we can get, you know, off track. Because as, as we were worshiping the Lord, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, here we got to share again today. And we're going to hear the same old stuff, basically. You know, and nothing's changing. Anybody have that battle in their mind? Yeah. Haven't, nothing's changing. Well, you know, as I was thinking about that, most of the stuff that went on in the Bible didn't happen in meetings. You know, we think, Wow. Meetings. Now, meetings are important. There, there, there's a place to meet with God, and there's a place to have meetings. It's, it's important that we don't forsake the assembly. But what we re- receive on the mountaintop is what we need to walk in and translate down in our real life. And this is what the, you know, Romans is talking about here. God is even revealing Himself through His purpose and His plan through this thing called life. And, he, and in that, He's created, through the Jesus Christ, He's redeemed us back to Himself. And He's created another tree of life, if you would, in the garden. It's called the church. And the church then begins to define how we are to walk in this life. Meetings are, are really good. It'd be like having, again, now I'm kind of like, my, my, my brain is all filled with rebar and sizes and levels and stuff like that. Because I'm actually like having to do it. You know what really looks neat? Blueprints. You ever look at blueprints? They're like, wow, neato, kino, wow. This is until you actually start to, have to translate them, and then you realize this guy talking about this is impossible to do that. You know, it all looks level on the piece of paper. It looks pure, you know, do that and do that and put this in there. It doesn't work that way. But the actual trying of our faith, the actual of coming to experience. And experience works hope, and hope makes not ashamed, is actually in taking the blueprint and doing it in real life. And the real life is not going to resemble the blueprint in your mind. God is not going to, when He comes into your life, it's going to look like, it was so easy on the paper. You know, it just I thought I could just... And when God shows up, in, and this is where the church... The Holy Spirit working in the church, the real lessons that we're, the real lessons that we need to learn, the place where we're really going to come to know the Lord, 
is going to be in the mutual conversation and the relationship with one another in Christ, taking the blueprint or the meeting and then actually translating it. Because it's going to come, when the translation comes, it's going to look nothing like what you thought the blueprint said. And that's where we walk by revelation and by faith. I think there's a quote on the back thing. I read it again this morning by Martin Luther. We can easily profess Christ and have a great theology and a great rap going down and every other thing. But at that precise moment, if we do not grab hold of where the world and the devil is attacking at that time and find the Lord and profess Christ, we've missed it completely. And we're going we're gonna to look at that because this is where I believe we fall down just as Adam and Eve fell down. But we're going to finish this. So here we have, God takes this thing, and I, 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 every now and again I come back to a, a, a place in my life or a revelation, and I realize that I'm not fit to live. You know, I'm not cut out for this world. I don't like this world. Um, I find very little enjoyment. Everything in it stinks. And there's a reason for that. Because I'm anti-God in the flesh. But even more than that, you know, I'm just not unlimitedly gifted. You know? And maybe sometimes, how many people, maybe you've come to that place. You're just really not cut out for this. You know, maybe other people can do it. Have you ever, have you ever, those other people can be in this church, but I can't do it. How many other people are there? There is no other people. It's you. There is nobody who naturally serves God. There is no person that, that God is talking other than to you. It's not easier for anybody else. But see, we just always want to miss God at that intersection. See, we understand the blueprint sounds good till at that intersection, He's going to be requiring something from you you don't have. And at that point, you're going to be needy. And at that point, we can either come to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent and get the grace that we need, or we harden our hearts and we become self-righteous and we start to, by not knowing Him, start serving another God. And we actually get mad at the real, true God. So here, this thing called life, church, work, relationship, family, God is revealing Himself in that. That's what the Romans is talking about. The whole creation... God is, and, and has been chosen even in that realm to reveal His nature. And that's why increasingly and increasingly this society and this world is trying to actually even change the creation and the set of the system that God has put into the world because we don't want to retain God in our knowledge. He makes me mad. He shows me I'm naked. He shows me I'm needy. He shows me that I have sinned. And that's the whole process that's the whole reason the world is here. It's the whole reason the, the law was here. It's the whole reason the church is here. It's the whole reason you are here. It's the whole reason the gospel is here is to show you your need. That hopefully it would lead us to repentance. But if I don't know him, see, I might serve another God. So constantly now the world at an alarming rate is trying to change even the fundamental things that, even, that they won't even hold God in our knowledge. So we want to change marriage. We want to change this. We want to change... Everything's being changed. But we, you know, we do the same thing. Because sometimes things... How many people... Has things come into your life 
Now, most of our most of our lives really are pretty easy. I mean, when you really think about it, they're probably too easy. Which which sometimes leads us to even worse sin. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was they weren't pressed enough. They had idleness of time. You know, it's amazing. I, I watch people. They just you know they're, they're they're texting while they're driving. I was wondering what's the matter with people. Not that I mind them driving and texting, but I mean, what do you have that's so important? Who would be listening to you? You know, idleness of time. I got nothing better to do than to just you know chat. There's this thing called. And I'm, I'm just I'm just making some comparisons. Don't get down on it. Facebook. Who cares if you took a bath? You have too much time on your hands. It leads you. See, contrary to popular opinion, you're popular, by the way. Contrary to popular opinion, idleness of time doesn't make you better. It makes you worse. It makes you worse. They had idleness of time. Anybody here missed a meal yesterday? Kids are starving. They had fullness of bread. How many people right after dinner wanted some dessert? Maybe a little ice cream with... Watching TV, Randy, you know, oh, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I mean, I love ice cream, ice cream and hot water. They should have stopped inventing stuff after that. There's nothing else needed. Hot shower. I mean, not at the same time, you know, but I mean, ice cream, what a great deal. I mean, what else do you need? You know, don't need things sticking in my ear to keep me occupied. No, I should be occupied with the Lord. Now, should we use those things? Yeah, I would use them, but be careful. It's really easy to let them use you, to abuse you, because we just, we, we like that kind of stuff. We like everything else but the Lord, naturally. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, that's where the battle comes in. So even in this thing called life, in the, in the garden, we'll go back to the garden, because there's the gospel. But this, you, you, as a matter of fact, you're in, you're, in, you're in the gospel right now. You're in the garden. We've been reconciled to God. We've been given eternal life. But in the middle of the garden, there's a tree. There's a serpent. And there's you. And there's God. There's all, there's all the things. In, in what, you know, right here in Wickenburg, right here, you know, going on, there's all this stuff happening. But many times we don't see it. We forget that Jesus really died on the cross, the great pain and, and penalty that he paid. For us. And we just think it's all about me. Because what happens is. So without excuse, all these things God is trying to bring to our attention. And then we could fall into this category because that when they knew God, they glorify him not as God. Now I'd be talking to people who knew God. And the Bible says now that we've known a God, we know God. Well, have you have you did you know God yesterday? And maybe didn't glorify him as God? Put you in the category, if you read Romans, the rest of Romans chapter 1, you're not looked on very favorably. You know, I think Patty said it, you know, adulterers and fornicators. That would be me as soon as I'm not glorifying God. I know what he wants. But I've got another person alive, see? I've got another nature that needs to be crucified. So because they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful. Anybody have any unthankfulness yesterday? How about a lot? How many people got caught up with yourself at any particular moment and said, 
Why is God doing this to me? Anybody like that besides me here? Yeah. yeah. That would be sin. Lord, help me. But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you know what happens when your foolish heart becomes darkened, and you become, what's the word? You become vain in your imaginations, and your foolish hearts become darkened. You know what happens when you become a fool? You think, oh, you'd be some stupid. Well, the next verse tells you. You profess yourself to be wise. You start acting like you know something. Well, I think, uh, you know, I think I know what the Bible says. Well, I don't know. I, I think God would be... You're showing your foolishness. You're showing your foolishness. The more you think you know, the stupider you look. Especially when it comes to the things of God. So because when we knew God, we need to not only just know Him, we're to glorify Him. We're to be thankful to Him. And the end result of that is if we're not, we're going to start having some vain imaginations. They became vain in their imagination. We start thinking some other things outside of the revelation. And when that begins to happen, it's all about me. I'm not glorifying God. I forget the whole system of the world that God had put into effect to actually work in me to bring, him to, to bring me to Him. And I begin to profess myself as someone who thinks he knows something more than God. And then we, change, we start changing the glory of the uncorruptible God. Have you ever changed the, the glory of God into your image? What you think God should be doing? Have you ever dictated to God? Welcome. Well, you missed the point. See, it's not all about you. It's all about the cross. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about that we have sinned and we got off track. And the human race is so far away from God, if He would come into the world we wouldn't recognize him. As a matter of fact, that's what he did. And we didn't recognize him. I mean, not only to the world, he came to his own. And we wouldn't recognize him. Lord, we, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Word. And we need what we're talking about is this, the mutual conversation of defining the blueprint in our life daily. Because that's what's going to bring us to a place to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We start changing God's image. Okay. So, we don't only just want to know Him. We want to glorify Him and be thankful to Him. Because if not, some other things kick in immediately. Doesn't, this isn't like a course of time. Adam and Eve, they sin. Thoughts go by real quickly. So, as we, as we read the blueprint, as we take on the message, it's got to be now a place to where... We have to allow God to be made manifest even in the very creation that He's created in our lives. In all the situations, right then and there, God wants us to be speaking by faith and by revelation. And understanding the blueprint is one-dimensional. The work is three-dimensional. It's real easy to do that, but wow, there's no mountain of dirt there in the way. There's no rocks there in the way. See, God gives the blueprint, but even Paul says, take heed how you build. There's a building process that's going on. And in that building process, make sure you don't forget God. Make sure that it's, it's not all about you. So in Corinthians, six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which you have of God, and you are not your own. There's an offensive statement. 
You're not your own. Well, that needs, we need to be preached to that because all throughout the day, my own is trying to sneak back up. You are not your own. Something I need to settle. See, we thought it was all about me and now Jesus is on my side. I get to do what I want. And he's going to teach me a few things. No. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. The gospel offensive. You're not your own. You don't belong to yourself. You've been purchased. You've been bought. And as we said, God's made some determinations about your life. He's chosen you. You didn't choose Him. You know, as I'm thinking about that, you know, it's easy, for, it's easy for us to get caught up in vain imaginations. We all just are like really good at that. That's why the Bible talks about in Psalms that we need to be meditating on the Word of God. We need to be speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, you know, because our imaginations grow vain instantly. As soon as I don't glorify God, I become vain in my imagination and I start changing the glory of God into my image. So we need to be meditating. We need to be speaking the word one to another. But I've been bought with a price. You know, and it's easy to think that... I don't know how to say this. In one sense, you know, you're all real special. And in another sense, you're not special at all. I mean, you're all made of dirt. You're going to die. Um, worms will eat your body. You know, you can get you know, really down on it. But we're all made of the same thing. We all basically got the same deals going on. And so be aware that, you know, when the devil comes to you with a special can of worms that's only made for you, and nobody else goes through it, and nobody else understands, it's a lie. It's the lie. He's been through, everybody's been through that about a thousand times. It's nothing new. The only thing he wants to do is get you to believe that he's on your side. See, that he really understands. Well, he does, because he thinks just like man thinks, or man thinks just like the devil. But this book is given to us to have our minds renewed. See, my mind is renewed to do what? To prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That when I know Him, I should be glorifying Him and be thankful for Him. But you know, it's easy, especially, you know, as the children of Israel came out of Egypt, then 40 years and they went into the promised land and so forth and so on, the Lord gave them an admonition and said, be, beware and make sure that you're teaching and instructing the principles of God, the commandments of God, the character of God, the events, the heritage of God to your children who did not come out of Egypt. Because it's easy to say, well, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you can look at me, and sometimes I get, you know, I'll get into my testimony and say, well, boy, it's a good thing he got saved because he was, you know, he was a weirdo. You know, nobody does stuff like that, but, you know, I'm not like that. You know, and, and a lot of us here have been raised, quote, unquote, in the church. And it's easy to think that, you know, I, I don't need that. But it's God who has chosen you. It doesn't matter if you were chosen out of Egypt or you were chosen in the desert, or you were chosen during the time of the prophet. The message in God's choosing is the same. He created you according as He saw fit, and He chose you and placed you in the body as He saw fit. Every, every generation, He didn't say, okay, it's time, we've got to take them back into Egypt. Didn't do that. There's something that He's building. And so simply because well, you didn't come out of Egypt, say like, you know, somebody else, it doesn't matter. God has still chosen you. God has still created you and placed you in the body 
and we're going to, you have the same sin nature that would say, it's not fair. I didn't choose to be here. I didn't choose to be here. God reached down. The children of Israel didn't wake up and said, okay, let's take a vote. How many of us want to serve God? Okay, we'll be Jews now. They didn't do that. God called them. God directed their path. We don't have to go back to Egypt to get saved. We don't have to continually do those things. We need to come to the revelation and the realization that God and the Lord Jesus Christ has created you and created me and placed me as He saw fit in His timing. So it wouldn't have to be like, oh, wow, you know, we need to, we need to do that. But you're not your own. See, it'd be easy to lay some... See, again, it's easy. Well... I mean, he goes back. I, I don't know how many people deal with this. Maybe when you're younger, you deal with this. You know, I didn't choose to be born. And I went through that for a while. My parents probably said, I wish you weren't. <laughs> but I didn't choose to be here. I didn't choose my parents. No, you didn't. God did. And that's what he's trying to say. He says, will you accept me? Will you glorify me in the situation that I called you in? Or... You know, we can try to change some things. Therefore, we make God in our own image. We become vain in our imagination. You actually become smarter than God. We start telling God, what the, I don't belong in this family. I don't belong in this church. I don't think I need to. Yeah. See, you, you've been bought with a price. It, you're, not, you're not your own. Wow. See, that's, that's, something that, that's, the, that's the glorious message of the gospel. See, we used to be our own. And what we, we, we were, you know, we were sinners. We were going to hell. We, we knew not God. We were heir, I mean, the whole thing. And God, in His mercy, chose us and said, I choose to put my name in you. Now serve me. He chose us. Where, whether you were born in the desert or in Egypt or, you know. When Jesus is walking around, it wouldn't matter. He's called you and He's knew you from the foundation of the world. And so as we have, you know, we have some things with wor- wor- working out the blueprint. Working out, really coming to know Him is translating the blueprint, the gospel, me- the, the Word of God, and finding Christ in those situations which aren't going to seem like the Lord. Because either we rely on revelation and faith, or we lean onto our own understanding. Which Psalms talks about, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's a blueprint scripture. It's a nice one. Till I rise up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Let's turn to uh, Genesis chapter 3. Got to see that this is a continual work in us. And, and we're talking, you know, the word came today, you know, the, 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 the pain of Jesus is our suffering. To come to Him, it means that we have to die. Our old man has to die. This is, this, is, this is the gospel message. And, you know, sometimes we just get, you know, we get tired of hearing it. You know, we want to hear something different. But it's all looking to Jesus. It's all looking to the cross. It's all looking to His suffering. You know. In verse 6, chapter 3. And when the woman's... Oh, wait, 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 wait. 